and welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup podcast for the weeks of June 11 to June 22, 2018. I'm Gwen Jordanay, and I'm an editor in the Communications and Marketing Office at UC Santa Cruz. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer here at UC Santa Cruz. And we're going to get into the recent news from UC Santa Cruz, all of which you can find at news.ucsc.edu. So, hey, Dan, it was a celebratory time at UC Santa Cruz last weekend. People preparing to enter the world. Yeah. About 3,200 graduating students participated in commencement ceremonies over the weekend. Congrats, all of you. And now these brand new slugs are off to change the world. Santa Cruz's famous marine layer ended up playing a central role throughout the weekend with fog rolling off the ocean, making for some chilly ceremonies. But in true Central Coast style, the sun often broke through, pushed away the fog, and showed off the incredible beauty of the UC Santa Cruz campus. The East Field offered stunning views of the Monterey Bay, while the newly renovated Quarry Amphitheater felt like an intimate space as the graduates' names echoed off the Quarry's redwood-fringed rock walls. The concept of new beginnings seemed to be the theme that commencement speakers returned to over and over. Many started their ceremony with words of encouragement, blended with pleas for graduates to carry forward the ideas and the ideals they acquired while at UC Santa Cruz. Poet Ziggy Rendler Bregman, who is a member of UC Santa Cruz's first graduating class, offered some personal and reflective advice during her speech at Porter College. Find a way to bring silence and solitude into your life, she said. Build a life where beauty, nature, art, and poetry matter. And if you do that, you're well on your way. Good luck and keep in touch with us, brand new slugs. Visit alumni.ucse.edu for information on the UC Santa Cruz Alumni Network, which you are now part of. Very inspiring. And you know, I think it was good that the marine layer was hanging yeah. out. Just because usually when you go to those graduations, everybody crowds into that little tent to not uh, get sunburned and that's just the biggest priority seating is everyone's squishing in there and and then everybody else all the folks like me who are latecomers are sitting there getting bald not getting bald <laughs> <laughs> i already am bald getting sunburned on their bald head <laughs> getting right. bald that was yeah, the, the sun, the sun, the sun can absolutely yeah. burn your hair you know, right off. So true. Yeah, you know, graduations are always in June, and it's always like many places are like yeah. roasting hot in June. I remember my graduation was ridiculous. It was just you were just sweating, and of course, everybody's always wearing these black gowns, soaking up yep. the rays. So and, and maybe you're right. Of course, getting maybe. getting bald too. and getting bald. Getting bald, right? Yeah, if, yeah naturally. You, so, you still have your hair, so you don't I have good. a bit too much, yeah. so somehow I managed to escape that. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so maybe it was good that that beautiful marine layer was there cooling things down. Absolutely. All right, well, back to uh, current students and the cool things they're up to. The Baskin School of Engineering's Corporate Sponsored Senior Project Program, or Dan, as, as we like to call it, CUSPS. CUSPS. Yeah, that's a really nifty acronym. <laughs> Rolls off the tongue. Anyway, uh, it gives students a unique opportunity to work on real-world engineering projects as part of their undergraduate education. 
<clears throat> participants in this year's program presented their finished work at Partners Day recently. The projects included a system to detect foreign objects in a produce processing line and technology to support automation in construction vehicles. So these are real things that could actually be made and, and used. During the academic year, students in the program interact with teammates, sponsors, and faculty. Some make visits to their corporate sponsors' work site, and all are required to solve problems along the way. By working with mentors at corporate partner companies, students learn important skills, take on interesting challenges, and begin to understand what it means to be a professional engineer. Isn't this amazing? That's that pretty can actually, amazing yeah. to, to be making these things and building these things that could be out there and right. people will and be using them and already learning about um, about a career even while you're still in college. Still in school, yeah. Corporate sponsors of student projects this year included Atology, Topcon, Amazon Lab 126, Kativa, Mirabella Energy, Nanometrics Incorporated, Nevro Corporation, Oracle Labs, and Seagate Technology PLC. And I have another story of cool student work. When it came time to complete her Physics 6B final project, student Asia Stouts used an unlikely set of tools, a bandsaw, metal files, a nail gun, and wood glue. What? <laughs> I know, right? What? Does that not sound like a final project? That sounds unlikely. How did that work? Well, she. the end result was a cool-looking, handmade ukulele crafted out of recycled wood. The instrument was a test of Stoutz's knowledge of standing sound waves and musical acoustics, and it had to be capable of playing a simple tune, but it was also a lesson in giving. The instrument, part of a class project designed by lecturer Stephanie Bailey, will later be donated to a small school in the Philippines. The project, says Bailey, was a way not only to test what her 250 introductory physics students have learned, but also to expose them to the larger world. She has an objective of incorporating service learning, combining the learning goals of the classroom with community service in a way that enhances the educational experience of the students and brings benefit to the community. Stouts resourcefully talked her way into the campus woodshop, promising volunteer sweeping and cleanup hours in exchange for a, a chance to raid the scrap bin and use the shop's tools. Another student, Rachel Barrosio, turned a discarded piece of PVC pipe into a bronze painted flute. Other designs included a thumb piano and a drum xylophone made also out of PVC pipe. That is really amazing, and these things are being played. And yeah. They're, that's, they're being they're handed out to the community, they're being played. Mm -hmm. Musical instruments. About 60 preschool through sixth grade students at the prestige Montessori School in the Philippines will be receiving the finished products. UC Santa Cruz physics professor David Belanger, along with his wife, Melka Belanger, built and now support the small private school. Many of the schools in the area can't even afford books, according to Belanger, so the gift of musical instruments, along with knowing they came from university students, will be really a treat for the children. 
I love the blend of disciplines and, and what's going, the philosophies there, the, the physics of building mm-hmm. something, the social consciousness piece of this, the music part of it. It's just really, it's a great example of kind of across the lanes thinking, I think. I know. It's really just the whole package and it's music to your ears. It is music to my ears. I think that's, that's a really, that's a really good story. And to be honest, that's the first I'd heard of that one. I thought yeah. I think that's great. All right, so Dan, what's on your news radar? Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about a paradox involving today's queer youth. Um, on the one hand, they're coming out at younger ages these days in the United States and becoming leaders and are showing so much bravery. And at the same time, they're still facing uh, harassment and bullying and mm-hmm. being stigmatized even now. And that paradox lies at the heart of a really important presentation that psychology professor Phil Hammock delivered to the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine during a recent Washington, D.C. panel discussion. The topic was on adolescence in the 21st century. Uh, Phil Hammock, UC Santa Cruz professor, by the way, said there's a revolution taking place in how people are thinking and talking about gender and sexuality, and the revolution is coming from the bottom up. Teenagers are leading the way. They're reaping the benefits of of expressing themselves more authentically. At the same time, they're also feeling this burden of educating adults in their schools, families, and culture. There's a lot of positive forward momentum that's going on now, but a lot of real lingering challenges. So on the one hand, the queer students are finding each other on social media. They're becoming part of a community that couldn't really take shape before the rise of the internet. They're Mm -hmm. finding each other more, which is a great thing. And they're also being just really courageous and creative about their identities And at the same time, all this change is, of course, taking place during an already tricky period for all of us, youth, adolescents, which uh, is full of worries about fitting in and Mm -hmm. peer groups and just negotiating all this while still experiencing a stigma of, quote, unquote, being different. And uh, unfortunately, LGBTQ youth are still twice as likely as straight teens to experience bullying and harassment and being stigmatized stigmatized is linked to huge disparities in mental health, Professor Hammock says. Uh, Queer youth experience depression at twice the rate of adolescent population and lifetime suicidal behaviors nearly eight times more common among queer youth. On the good side, support does make a powerful and life-changing difference. Supportive families, schools, and communities, including online communities, are associated with better mental health outcomes for queer youth. And uh, now I'd like to move on to talk about this year's winner of the annual Steck Family Award. It's a very prestigious award given to undergraduates at UC Santa Cruz. As a matter of fact, it's the highest academic award an undergrad can receive at UC Santa Cruz. Highest award for academic achievement. And this winner is, maybe we could fold in a drum roll sound effect in post-production. Name of the winner is Josh Gu, who aims to study disease and help society. Now get this, he worked for his, uh, from his sophomore year through senior year studying gene regulation and human development at the Hausler Wet Lab in, on campus. Now how impressive is that for your job while you're on, in college? I think when I was a sophomore, I was flipping, I was making burgers and uh, french fries at an amusement park. And I actually I got fired from Marineland of the Pacific because I charged somebody $200 for onion rings. <laughs> On the cash register. So I'm more than impressed by the Steck Award winners. Um, They are avoiding the cash register stuff. My hat goes off to Josh Gu, who's uh, 
this award-winning student worked closely with postdoctoral scholar Jason Dionisio Fernandez, who said that Josh Koo was one of the most dedicated students he's ever met. Josh was always willing to take criticism and suggestions and work to make himself a better scientist, Fernandez said. He made important contributions to a project that studies how genetic elements within the human genome have been battling one another and how these battles have shaped the course of human evolution. So Josh Gu, that's a name to remember. Really, uh, he he'll be one at to UC, watch. one to watch. He'll be at UC Irvine this fall, where he'll be in the cellular and molecular biosciences program to earn a PhD. Very wow. impressive. Well, congratulations, Josh. Congratulations. And keep in touch with us. Let us know how your work's going. Well done. And uh, since we're on this broad topic right now of science, I want to talk about the critical importance of coral reefs in the world. You know, I'm a very, a fairly committed snorkeler, mm. slight okay. fear of sharks, but I recognize the beauty and the enchantment of coral reefs, all the gorgeous ocean life that kind of flock around the coral reefs, all the beautiful life that they support, support. but coral reefs are also these very critical walls, these physical bulwarks against flooding. In fact, they are considered the first line of defense against coastal flooding in countries around the world. And sadly, we are rapidly losing coral reefs right now. So this is actually a case in which the fate of nature and the fate of, to some extent, humankind near the coast is closely aligned. A new study investigating how much people and property are protected by these reefs and what is at stake if our reefs are lost. This new study shows that coral reefs cut the cost of all flood-related damages around the world in half. Oh my gosh. In half. Coral reefs serve as natural submerged breakwaters that reduce flooding by breaking waves and reducing the energy, the physical energy of these waves. Now this study was published this month in Nature Communications. It's an important open access journal that publishes uh, biology, physics, and chemistry research and earth sciences. The study compares the flooding that occurs now with the flooding that would occur on coastlines with coral reefs if they got this, lost just one of the topmost meter, just a few feet of a living coral reef. And it is a tremendous difference even if you lose a few feet. Significant losses of coral reef are already happening around the world according to first author Michael Beck, research professor of ocean sciences at UC Santa Cruz and lead marine scientist at the Nature Conservancy. Unfortunately, he said, we are already losing the height and complexity of shallow reefs around the world, so we are likely already seeing increases in flood damage along many tropical coastlines. Now, without the living coral reefs, the annual expected damages from flooding would double, increasing by four billion dollars. The cost from frequent storms would triple. If coupled with the sea level rise, flooding could quadruple. And the countries with the most to gain from really conserving, bringing back these reefs would be Indonesia, the Philippines, Malaysia, Mexico, and Cuba. The annual expected flood savings would exceed $400 million for each of those nations. But this is not an all doom and gloom report I'm giving you, everybody. That Apparently, there's some hope that damaged reefs could indeed come back. Coral reefs are living ecosystems that can recover if they're well-managed, and the study identifies why and where we should find the needed support for restoring and managing coral reefs. So I hope that that will happen for all these affected countries and that these reefs can come back. Well, it's so great that there's a plan proposed. Absolutely. And we have 
um, a possible way to, to work on this. And that we have a strong sense of the way our economic future and the future of these coral reefs is just so closely related. Yeah, the whole totally interweb of together. life yeah, on Earth, exactly. which we sometimes forget about. Yeah, too much. All right, well, thank you for that. And now we have some events to tell you about. Did you think that UC Santa Cruz shuts down for the summer? Heck no. No, absolutely some not. Great opportunities on campus, yeah. in fact, are coming right up. It's not dead, it is Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A new Grateful Dead archive exhibit has opened at McHenry Library. Put your gold money where your love is, baby. Counterculture, Capitalism, and the Grateful Dead is the title of the new exhibition now open to the public at the library. The exhibit examines how the band invented, improvised, redefined, and pioneered business practices that revealed new ways of thinking about work, about being in business, and about the relationship between creators and their communities. Sounds pretty cool. It's interesting because I, I went to a bunch of uh, dead shows with Jerry, the whole, with everybody yeah. was there. And it just wasn't something you really thought about. But it's no. fascinating how they really did have a unique business model, the way that they did everything. Yeah. And, uh, also, just in light of the fact that some of the things they did were very counterintuitive, like basically giving the concerts giving away. Them, yeah, you they could would, come you, in with You a could tape come recorder. in there with a tape recorder all the time. Right. Nobody cared. Yeah. And, and some of the tape recorders, the tapes that my brother had for those concerts sounded a little funky, almost <laughs> like they were recorded through a cell phone that didn't quite have reception, so it's like coming. <laughs> I think a but, lot of tapes are like that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it is a pretty fascinating topic. Admission is free during regular library hours. Check out library.ucsc.edu slash McHenry hyphen library for library info. Did you go to dead shows when, when they did you, have yeah, you Yeah, went to a few. I didn't realize that. I know, right? The you parking mean, lot's awfully interesting so. in the dead shows. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's almost the show right there. I know. That is very true. Oh, man, memories. All right, so next, uh, the Dickens Universe is a unique cultural event that brings together scholars, teachers, students, and members of the general public for a week of stimulating discussion and festive social activity on campus, all focused on one or two Victorian novels, usually, but not always, one by Charles Dickens. In 2018, this year, the universe will feature Little Dorrit by Charles Dickens. Yep. Back in Dickensian ground, because last year, as, as people may remember, it uh, the focus changed and they focused on George Eliot, Middlemarch. But oh, yeah. Now we're back with uh, that Dickens right. again. Okay, yeah. The universe this year is July 15 through 21, and there are some events open to the public, and there are even Victorian dance lessons. Yeah. Woo! A lot of what curtsying and like yeah. eating biscuits. <laughs> That sounds fascinating. Wearing large I think I would like to go. hats that make you sneeze. Indeed. Uncomfortable uh, for, collars. For information, Google UCSC Dickens Universe 2018. And last, the seventh annual Farm to Fork Benefit Dinner is on Sunday, August 19, at the UC Santa Cruz mm -hmm. Farm and historic Cal Ranch Hay Barn. Enjoy the culinary delights of award-winning My Mom's Mole, featuring locally sourced organic ingredients, including produce grown on the UC Santa Cruz farm. Before dinner, there will be a field-side reception, mm -hmm. appetizers, and organic farm tours. The events Fantastic. at the UCSC farm and tickets are $100 each. Google UCSC 7th Annual Farm to Fork Benefit Dinner. And have the you... cool thing is that you don't have to wait for them to pick everything. It's like already picked 
and harvested and prepared for you. Yeah. Otherwise, it was a gorgeous it, event. Have yeah. you ever done that? I have not done that. I did it once and it was <laughs> it, really is, fun. And just the, the the atmosphere and you're out in the field and oh, you're I looking over that. the bay yeah. and it is really nice. Okay, well, uh, that's it for this week. Happy summer, everyone. Right. <laughs> Slather on that sunscreen. <laughs> don't, don't go bald in the sun or anything oh, yeah. like that. Stay, stay unbald. Hold on to your hair. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.